from the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends. Ryan Dorn here, and welcome to the podcast. If you sell media every day just like me, you are a member of the Ad Sales Nation. And this podcast is specifically designed for you. Whether you sell TV, or you sell print, or you sell radio, or digital only magazines, whatever, newspapers, if you sell media, you have found your home right here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. All right, we got awesome stuff coming up today. Of course, your listener questions uh, coming up. We've got questions. Uh, from Samantha in L.A., uh, Brian in Charlotte, Rebecca from Detroit, and answering those questions with me today is uh, one of the coolest cats uh, that I know, and his name is Charles Warner. He's the publisher, editor-in-chief, and also a sales guru. This dude loves selling media. From Denver, Colorado, Innovation and Tech Today magazine, Charles Warner is going to be joining us. Also, we're going to be talking to Rob Stagno. He is the author of a book that's uh, just been released uh, on Amazon, etc., and it's called A Member is Worth a Thousand Visitors. So Rob Prestagno, he does a lot of work in the digital media space, and he's going to be sharing uh, his success stories with us and kind of sharing what the book's about as well. And then, of course, each and every month, our tech tip is brought to you by JanuarySpring.com, and our friend and ad sales digital expert, Charity Huff, is going to be here as well. Well, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach and trainer if I didn't sell some sponsors right here on my own show. So let's check them out really quick. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Openlook Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, let's do a little bit of learning together today. Grow as an Ad Sales Nation. If you want to get 25% more from your advertisers, you need to sell multimedia better. Today, we're going to talk about the nuances of the multimedia sale to increase your total revenue. All of us offer. If you're a newspaper, you offer more than print. I'm sure you offer digital. If you're a radio station, you've got the web to offer and marketplaces and things like that. All of us in all of our medias have multiple things to offer, multiple medias to offer. Now, experts uh, time after time and again tell us that when you add multiple medias to the mix, you'll always increase your return on investment. Why is that? It's been cited over and over again. It's called the familiar factor. What the familiar factor means, and what Nielsen reported on this, 76% of people are more likely to commit. They're more likely to engage. They're more likely to click on brands that they're familiar with, 76%. 
So the reason the multiple multiple medias is so important to your advertisers and to you as salespeople is because it increases the familiar factor for your advertiser. So when you think about this, the reason Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser that you want to run multiple medias, either with me or with others, is because when someone sees your ad online, they're more likely to click on it or engage with it if they're familiar with your brand. How do they get familiar with your brand? Frequency and repetition. So if someone was to only run ads on Facebook, that's a limited audience. And after the changes that Facebook made on January the 15th, clearly we know that ads are being seen less and less in the Facebook news feed. Now those ads have all moved over to Instagram. That's called being siloed. It's an advertiser being siloed. And we need to talk them through that. You want to cast a fairly big net. That's the way that you get the most exposure for your brand, thus increasing the familiar factor and then overall increasing your return on investment. Now, when I'm selling multimedia to an advertiser, one of the first things that I focus in on is success stories. There's two things in life that most people don't like, change and committing money to things, making decisions. Change, making decisions, which means committing money. Success stories are the fastest way for me to reduce risk for people and to help them with that change that they need to make or committing money. So what I very often do, no matter what media I'm selling, radio, TV, event sponsorships, or whatever, I have got literally a bevy of success stories, a bevy, a bounty, a lot, okay, of success stories. Now, what I want to make sure everyone understands, though, is that my success stories are not based on widgets sold. It's very important. So if I'm talking with one furniture company and I'm trying to tell a success story of another furniture company, I'm not going to say, well, you know, Bob Jones, every time he runs an ad, he sells 50 couches. Or if I'm talking to a medical company that sells medical equipment, I'm not going to say to Philips that every time GE runs an ad, they move 16 MRI machines or something like that. Now, those type of success stories are sexy. They sound great, but the expectations being set for the advertiser are probably unrealistic. So what I focus on is advertisers that love me, advertisers of longevity. I might say that Lowell Automotive has been with us for 15 years and shows no signs of letting up. As a matter of fact, Lowell and I are such good friends after our relationship together. I was even in his wedding. I might say uh, for one of my equestrian events that I sell sponsorships for, I might say to Double J Saddles, hey, every time Diamond Cross is here, I see people walking away with saddles. Now, I don't want to get into the intimate details about how many saddles I've seen, but let me just be really clear with you. The event has been in this location for 12 years, and they've been here all 12 years. So they keep coming back for more. I can't promise you that you're going to be as successful as these folks, but based on what I can see, based on what I've observed, based upon my time in this industry or community, I think it's highly likely that you're going to see the success that these other folks have seen. Multiple medias is where it's at. So when we talk about multimedia, I also think that we need to explain the good old marketing rule of three. And most marketers, they really don't understand that. We can use multiple medias all throughout the marketing rule of three. 
Marketing rule of three, you need to pre-promote. Number two, you need to actually promote. And number three, you need to post-promote. So one, two, three, pre-promotion, actual promotion, and post-promotion. Let me give you an example. We've all heard the ads in our local community for a car dealer for that famous 4th of July sale. They do pre-promotions, radio, TV, newspaper. We're going to have a 4th of July sale. Come on down and play with the clowns. We've got elephants and peanuts and cotton candy and we're selling cars. Crazy Dave is moving cars. (laughs) Then the 4th of July actually happens. On the 4th of July, right around the actual sale, it says, it's here. Come on down. Here's a picture of the clowns. Play with the clowns. Ride the elephants. Ride the free pony rides. And by the way, we got cars here at Crazy Dave's. That's number two, the actual promotion. Then just when you think they're done, there's the third promotion that happens. And that's the post-promotional piece. Because they recognize that by running the three legs of promotion in multiple medias, they increase their return on investment. So the third leg of it is post-promotion. Just in case you missed it, Crazy Dave has still got cars. On the 4th of July, we had a blast and we still got cars. Come on down. Because they understand that that a rock is the most powerful. A boulder is the most powerful when you're letting it roll back down the other side of the hill. When is, a, when is a boulder most powerful? When you're pushing it up, when you get it to the top, or when it crashes on the other side? When is a wave most powerful? As it's building, as it's cresting, or when it's crashing down on the other side? Everyone recognizes in life, you always get more momentum when you're riding the wave on the other side of the wave building. Yet most marketers don't. They try to be, they try to live in the now. They try to market in the now. They become marketing day traders. And because of that, they stress themselves out trying to guess when people are going to buy. Instead of understanding the marketing rule of three, if you've got a summer promotion, you need to promote it in advance. Promote it hard when it's going on and then ride the wave of that promotion to increase your return on investment. So multiple medias works because maybe in January you run an e-newsletter ad. Then in February, you run your main media. Then maybe in March, you're going to do more digital. So if you explain the marketing rule of three, you can get advertisers excited about multimedia if they really understand really the rule of three. I'd also suggest that advertisers are looking to you for leadership and guidance. I would say that the vast majority don't accurately understand or really know what it is that they need to do. So because of that, I always want to focus in on providing leadership and guidance. Now, I don't want to get caught in the trap of consultative selling. Be careful about that. Consultative selling isn't necessarily dead, but consultative selling can potentially lead you to asking questions about their budget. When you ask questions about their budget, that's fine as long as you are trying to align realistic expectations. If you are going to set advertisers' worlds on fire, it's not about what they think they need to spend in multiple media. It's what they actually do need to spend in multiple medias. So what I like to ask folks, and you've heard me say it before, I oftentimes will say Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser. When you think about your goals and your desires, and you think about how you want to be perceived in this community or how you want to be perceived in this industry, Do you want to have a a presence or do you want to be competitive or do you want to dominate? 
And when I ask them to fall into one of these three categories, what I'm doing is I'm going to give them a little realistic dose of advertising medicine. What I mean by that is if they say dominant, I'm going to say, awesome, great. Are you familiar with so-and-so? I'm going to share with them the name of a dominant advertiser. They say, yeah, I am. Would you be surprised to know that someone like that spends $50,000 a year with us? Now, I'm not going to give them exact details. That would be unethical. But I want to give them a dose of advertising reality. When you think about multiple medias and advertising in multiple medias, do you want to have a presence or do you want to be competitive or do you want to dominate? Now, if they can't afford to dominate, well, then maybe they can afford to be competitive. It's not about what they think they need to do to be competitive. It's what they actually have to do. So, yeah, Ryan, I want to be competitive. Cool. Are you familiar with so-and-so? And I give them a name of an advertiser that's competitive in our community or in our industry. Would you be surprised to know, Mr. Advertiser or Mrs. Advertiser, somebody like that would probably spend around $15,000 a year with us. Really? I had no idea. I know you don't have any idea because you don't understand marketing. It's not about what you think you need to spend. It's what you actually do need to spend. When this concept was first introduced to me, I was in Springfield, Missouri and was working with a media company and a wonderful sales manager there, her name is Amy Scott, walked me through this idea and I loved it so much, I incorporated it into almost every piece of salesmanship and sales training that I do. And the reason is because I realized that advertisers were unrealistic in what they thought it would take to market to our community, to our industry, or whatever the circumstance is. See, the facts are the facts. If you're going to be dominant, you have to do a certain number of things in our market or in our industry. If you're going to be competitive, you need to do a certain number of things in our market or in our industry, whatever your circumstance is. If you're going to have a presence, there's a few things that you need to do to have a presence. So if you're going to get advertisers excited about multimedia advertising, it's so important to focus on three main things. Number one, share success stories. Success stories sell. Write that down. Have it put on a postcard, a t-shirt, or put it a tattoo on your arm. Success stories sell. Number two, you've got to explain the good old-fashioned marketing rule of three. Pre-promotion, actual promotion, and post-promotion. Once advertisers wrap their head around the fact that they can increase the return on their investment by doing all three of these steps... Once they realize that it works, they'll continue to do that potentially over and over again. Then the third step is present, competitive or dominant. Ask them how they want to be perceived in the market. And when they understand it's not what they think they need to spend, it's what they actually have to spend. That, my friends, is when we have potentially a very, very winning scenario. Friends, we talk about all this stuff over at 360adsales.com. Of course, right here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. We talk about it in webinars that are free to you over at 360adsales.com. We've got nine hours of webinars absolutely free of charge for you to check out over at 360adsales.com. Friends, remember if ad sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, as promised here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast, I've got my friend Robert Stagno that's uh, with us from Sterling Woods Group. And uh, Rob, I'm really excited for you, brother. You've got your uh, book, A Member is Worth a Thousand Visitors. 
uh, that just came out. And I know you from the various media conferences. But for those uh, that listen to the podcast uh, each month that don't know you, um, if you don't mind, just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure, Ryan. And before I talk about myself, I just want to say thank you for having me. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following your work for a long time. And you're one guy who practices what he preaches and you know what you're talking about. So it's really an honor to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I I consider myself a lifelong media nerd. Uh, I I started a newspaper. (laughs) Yeah. I started a newspaper when I was 11 years old in my neighborhood and used the money to buy Nintendo games. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, more professionally, I, I started my career at McKinsey and I focused on media and entertainment clients. Then I went on to work for various niche, niche media companies until a few years ago when I started the Sterling Woods Group, really with the aim of helping publishers make more money online. So we've developed this five forces framework, which we teach our clients. Uh, and we offer services like training, consulting. Uh, and then we found that some clients don't always have resources to implement all the things that we recommend. So we're also a full service agency that works on contingency because we believe in what we do. So. We only make money when you make money. Nice. Awesome. That's great. Well, you and I have had a lot of conversations about how your work applies to sales. And all of us in the sales business know that if we have great website traffic, then we have something really exciting to sell. So one of the things that I loved about uh, the book is you have several focuses, but one of the focuses, or actually one of the chapters I think is called Focus on Whales. In in my business, whales are, are those big clients in your business, I'm guessing the whales are the, the best visitors that you can get. So if you don't mind, just talk to folks a little bit about what does it mean or what do you mean by focus on whales? Yeah, I see a lot of overlap, actually. Uh, the whales uh, concept that applies to big sponsors and big advertisers also applies to your visitors. So when I'm talking about opportunities to, to sell products to your reader base, to your, to your site visitors, I also cover up the audience into whales, fish, in barnacles. And the concept is if we spend too much time worrying about our barnacles, this is the 40% of visitors who probably won't ever spend a penny with you, Mm -hmm. uh, we're just going to drive ourselves crazy. So the idea is to find that top 10, 15, 20% of your audience and really understand what problems that your content solves for them and figure out why they're so loyal to your brand and create products all around their wants and needs. That makes sense. You know, in in, uh, my business, I separated out almost the same uh, percentage-wise. I have minnows, and I have cod in the middle, and I have whales on the the top end. And I tell salespeople all the time, if you spend too much time on those minnows that you call barnacles, which I love, by the way, I might steal that, just so you know. I will (laughs) will give you credit at least 10 times. Um, All right. (laughs) And then after that, sorry. Um, If you spend too much time on on those small minnow clients, I mean, they literally are a bigger pain in the tail uh, than your big clients, and they spent you waste so much time on those folks. Um, so I really love uh, that focus uh, that you've got and an, an entire chapter dedicated to it. Now, as we're trying to, we we want the best website traffic possible, obviously, so we can really you know convert those folks over into great data that we potentially can sell. Can you talk about conversions a little bit? Because I know that's a really important uh, piece of the book. Yeah, absolutely. So what we've found when trying to get a visitor to convert to a product on your site, a few things need to be happening uh, online. First of all, within five seconds, I call this the five seconds test, the visitor needs to know who you're targeting, what problem you're solving for them, and how you're solving that in a way that's better than anyone else out there. 
which is a steep challenge for people in the publishing space who may feel like they're competing with free content on mm -hmm. people's blogs or on YouTube, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've found that publishers can do a great job at communicating, first defining, and then communicating that value proposition to their visitors do a great job at driving conversions. That makes sense. And it applies whether I guess you're in TV, radio, publishing, um, or just running just a, a regular mom and pop business. I kind of like that five second rule. Um, you know, there is another five second rule that when you drop food on the ground, you know, you have five seconds. That, you can... <laughs> that is true. And actually, my wife went to Connecticut College and her professor actually studied it. And I believe that he found that it is true. You do have five seconds. But it, it depends on the texture of the food. Oh, I think the, yeah, the finding. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, we also know everybody on the other end of this, I promise, is laughing. We also know that the conversion piece is important because um, in the end, I truly believe, you know, when the lights go out at the end of the whatever, the end of the world, um, whether you believe in heaven or hell or whatever you believe, he who has the data, the best data in the end is is going to win. And for trying to sell webinars, uh, sell banner, you know, potentially banner activity, sponsored content, that type of thing, we've got to have the best site visitors and we've got to have the best data. So converting the very best people allows us to sell more. And I can just really see on the end of that how important the conversion funnel is to not only selling products immediately, but then also having really, really great data for us to be able to match with future clients as well. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now yeah. you talk a lot about testing and experimentation, which I love and people don't do enough of it in any of the media businesses that I, I work in. So can you talk about that a little bit? This is actually our fourth force in the framework. It's called measure and experiment. And we found that there are tons of free or near free tools out there that are, are so easy to implement for anyone in the media space that will help them run A-B split tests on their site to figure out what is the ultimate, uh, ultimate copy, mm -hmm. offer, user experience we should be using to drive more conversions. And these could be conversions either to our own products or in the ad sales world to products that are sold by our sponsors. And in fact, we see a huge opportunity with our clients to not only sell more of their own products using some of these levers that we teach, but also sell more products for sponsors, which I think just adds to the overall package that they're offering to it, their client. Yeah, it really does. Why do you feel like, why do more people not in the, in the media business why do they not do more A-B testing and split testing experimentation for their clients? I found that there's just so much data out there that it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so the key is to create what I call a learning agenda. <laughs> so really, what are the three or four questions on your mind? What, what, you know, for example, does long form copy convert better than short form copy? Let's spend a month just testing long form versus short form to get a solid answer to figure out what we think is better, given our whales, what they want, how they consume content, how they mm -hmm. make purchase decisions, and move on to the next month to the next question we're trying to answer. Maybe we want to say, is a 14-day trial a better offer than $10 off? Well, let's test that the next month and see what wins. I think the temptation is to test too many different things at once or to analyze all the data all at once. When really, if we're strategic and say, these are the three or four or five questions that are really going to matter, then we can spec out some tests and some campaigns to run and really get some answers and move on to the next question. I wonder if for some advertisers, I'd love your opinion on this, I wonder if this is a sellable entity or maybe a differentiating factor in the sales process, meaning that we're sitting with an advertiser and they're maybe kind of on the fence between us and another product, digital. Let's just say we'll focus on digital for a second. I wonder if I'm able to say to them for, 
no additional charge, maybe. Mm. I, I hate to do that. For no additional charge, we can actually do, we can test three different pieces of copy, three different types of sponsored content, and actually do some testing. I wonder if you feel like that might be a differentiating factor in the sales process between one company and another. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. We talked about how it's a challenge for for publishers and, and media executives to take advantage of all of the A-B testing tools. This really is not a problem isolated to our industry. It's really across the board that executives at companies in any industry are struggling to find the time and the and the and the resources to try some of these digital experiments. So to the extent that we could provide those services for them, I, I see that adding tons of value. Uh, you know, I also hate giving stuff away for free. So maybe uh, at the very least a differentiator, but potentially even a whole new revenue stream for publishers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that we're always looking for something that differentiates us because advertisers, uh, whether you're in the newspaper business, radio business, whatever, they tend to want to create this apples to apples comparison between two companies. And what they're really doing is they're trying to force us into that apples to apples comparison when it's really like an apples to salmon comparison. We've got to have things that are, you know, we're both, they're both food groups, but it's kind of an unfair comparison. So for those listening to the podcast, I feel like you could potentially, even as simply as saying, and this is a very basic example, let's put together two completely different banner ads for you, different colors, different copy, things like that, uh, to be able to test that out. <laughs> I think we all would recognize that banner ads are obviously not the future of, of media, but I've even had some clients that are testing sponsored content, as you mentioned, long form versus short mm. form uh, mm. versus content that has multiple pictures versus content that has videos. But one, yeah, exactly. one thing I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, have a chance to ask you about was as it relates to, you know, social media uh, using videos and things like that landing on landing pages has there been anything that you found that's just overwhelmingly very influential? Like if you include video, it always converts better. Or if you include this or that, it always converts better. Is there any kind of universal truths to, to, that we can share or anything like that? My universal truth is there is no universal truth. <laughs> and this comes back to the concept of focusing on your whales. Okay. Videos may work tremendously if your whales happen to be, I don't know, millennials and in a uh, consumer enthusiast space. But if you're targeting senior executives in a, say, let's say a stodgier industry, I'm not going to name names. Right. Perhaps videos, you know, perhaps videos is not the best way to go. And maybe you really want to do some sort of long form content uh, that's uh, viewable on a on a phone uh, or print that prints out nicely because the person likes to print it out and read it on the treadmill every morning mm -hmm. when he or she exercises. So it comes back to really understanding, uh, you know, what channels, what formats, mm -hmm. what length of con content, what style of content resonates the best with your whales. Yeah, it makes sense. That's great. Well, you know, um, Rob, one of the things that you and I encounter a lot as consultants, consultants in this business is that media execs, they just really feel like, Hey, I can't, <laughs> I can't add any more staff. I can't. I mean, I I just can't expand. I love the idea, Ryan, Rob. Love the idea. I can't expand. What are your What are your secrets or your thoughts on uh, the whole bandwidth question? I've seen publishers get successful results trying new things by leveraging external resources, and whether that's a consultant or an agency or a freelancer. I know a lot of people have had success with with using Upwork or other services like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, really to spark the creativity, to move people out of the day-to-day -day 
to break what I call initiative inertia. Companies mm-hmm. that keep doing the same thing are going to keep getting the same results. So to to rely on an external resource to, to break that inertia for you, tap into some expertise, and really, frankly, prove the concept before you invest a lot of time and money into it. Mm-hmm. We all know how expensive it is and time-consuming to hire new people to launch new initiatives. You have benefits and and search fees, and you have to find them desk space and an office and computers and software. I, I highly recommend finding an external resource to help you get something going. And then once it takes off, that's giving you the cash flow right there to go hire resources to bring it in-house. Well, Rob, uh, Robert Stagno, everybody, his book is uh, Member is Worth, A Thousand Visitors. And I'm one of those people that believes uh, whether you are on the marketing side of the business, uh, meaning you are run the marketing team or you're on the sales side of the business, this is information that we need salespeople as we're walking out on the street or on phone calls talking with ad agencies and advertisers. We need to be armed with more and more information. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, get on there and uh, get the book order. It can uh, ship to you, obviously, uh, free. But, you know, Rob, if people want to reach out to you and, and learn more about you and uh, your company, what's the web address where they can find you? Sterlingwoodsgroup.com. All right, friends, one of my favorite times of the podcast when we're joined for our advertising tech tip from January spring here with Charity Huff. And uh, Charity, after all these years of being in the tech business, one of the things I'm asked about a lot is reporting. And maybe um, you could talk a little bit about reporting and because I'd love to find out about using it as a retention strategy, um, you know, using it to try to prove return on investment. So when you're talking with your advertising clients, your publishers, et cetera, how do you talk about reporting? What are the key things that uh, you love about reporting? Yeah, it's one of those key pieces to servicing your clients. And if you don't own that measurement conversation, you're just opening the door for a competitor to come in right behind you and wow away your advertiser with the ability to have some transparency and see the performance of a campaign. To me, I use it all the way at the beginning in order to demonstrate how I'm going to service the client and what they can expect from me. And then all the way through to retaining a client, showing them proactively the performance and the great job I'm doing on their behalf. So that when you get ready to ask for the renewal, it's almost a given because you've brought them along the entire time. Oh, that's great. So you use it as an actual sales strategy upfront as well. Yes. Yes, indeed. No, that's great. Now, I'm asked often, how much data is too much data? Because these these advertisers, for the most part, are, are fairly simple folks, for the most part. How much data is too much data where we might overwhelm them and things like that? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's easy to overwhelm them. I always um, coach the sales teams that I work with to listen to what's important to the advertiser during the sale. So while you're setting expectations and what's coming next, they're going to tell you how they're going to measure and hold you accountable for the work you're doing. And those are the data points that you need to be bringing back to them. So if it's, I want to know what kind of lift you're giving me in my lunchtime crowd at the restaurant, or I want to know that you're helping me to sell more theater tickets, I would frame the data around telling that story. Now it makes sense. So when you and Shannon are working and training the salespeople that um, are, are your clients, are you finding yourself saying things like, if we could create the perfect digital campaign for you, what do you want to have happen from that? Is that is that how you're kind of framing the conversation to set yes. the expectations? Yes, yes, exactly. Because you need to understand and know that going in, the business owner or the marketing manager, whomever you're working with on the other side, 
always knows how they're going to hold you accountable. You have to have that piece of the conversation and having some example performance reporting in front of them of other great campaigns that you've managed is a good way to help guide them through that piece of the discussion. That makes sense. Okay. So if we can play, if we can role play for a second, if I am a media salesperson um, and I work for a TV station or magazine or whatever, and I have sold Facebook to one of my clients I've managed their expectations and the reporting is coming out. What pieces of that report are there certain metrics that we want to share as opposed to other things with that client? Yeah. And it's not going to surprise you what I say. Uh, it, it's going to be uh, first and foremost, what what is the audience that you're helping them reach? And you mm-hmm. can typically discuss that in terms of the impressions that you're delivering um, for that business. And then how are potential clients engaging with that business? And I always look at the click-through rate okay. and the actual clicks. And then what is happening once they get to that business's website? Are they picking up the phone and calling you? Are they taking action on your site? And that's where you can really bring the business owner in and have them help explain to you what they're doing to help convert this new business. It makes sense. Now, I'm asked this a lot, and I don't know what the answer is, um, so I'm glad you're here. I'm always Mm -hmm. asked by my advertising folks that I'm coaching, is there a national average that we can give to advertisers? Like, hey, your click-through rate is great because it's blah, 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 the national average is, or should we avoid that like the plague? You know, I think you probably do need to provide that because, you know, this is what we live and breathe every day. So it's almost second nature to us as um, advertising professionals. But you've got a business owner on the other side of the desk that may or may not know how to judge the performance of a campaign. So it certainly is appropriate. And I always say it exactly like you just did. This is the national average. We will perform... um, somewhere near this or better, but it's always dependent on the geography, um, how we're building this campaign and managing it for you. And most importantly, it's always about the offer and the actual creative of the ad campaign. Yeah, indeed. And we all know that advertisers want to put 50 pounds of you know what into a little teeny tiny box on the screen. So (laughs) it's one of those, it's one of those constant uh, challenges. Now, or those, those terrible 10% off offers where you're like, okay, well, that's not intriguing to most customers, right? Make exactly. it a juicy offer. Right. Free shipping. Really? Unless it's a washing <laughs> machine. I don't know that it's going to it's gonna matter. The other question that I've received uh, via email from a couple of folks uh, in advance of recording the podcast uh, to ask you were, how do you, so they believe in digital, advertisers love the digital, the reps love the digital. How do we stop the advertiser from just buying all digital and saying, hey, you mm. guys are amazing. Um, digital's great. I don't want print media anymore. I don't want to buy TV. I don't want to buy traditional anymore. What do we tell these sales reps? What should they respond? What should they say? Uh, You have to be really bold in this and say, it is in your best interest, advertiser, to have a multimedia approach to what you're doing for marketing. And that includes traditional media and digital media. Um, If you pull one of those away, the other is going to suffer. Because what happens with traditional media is it's creating awareness. It's great brand advertising to get that business in front of potential customers. And then as they move through their purchase funnel, that's where digital really starts to shine. But if you take away that that traditional piece, then the digital is going to suffer. Makes sense. I like to to coach. You need to be advertising in mm-hmm. multiple ways on multiple days. And I also like to share with folks, unfortunately, people are in no mode 
way more often than they're in yes mode. So we have to advertise a lot to catch them when they are in, in yes mode. And um, I haven't had a chance to share this with you. I can send it over. The uh, Association of Magazine Media in their 2018 fact book shows that when you add digital to a print campaign, it increases the lift of the total lift of that campaign by as much as 30%. I believe and, it. Um, those of you that are listening to the podcast that want to see those numbers, you go to magazine.org. So magazine.org forward, so, forward slash fact book. And every year, the Association of Magazine Media uh, puts that that fact book out, and that lift is you know is uh, is phenomenal. Is phenomenal. Now, um, you, the reporting that you offer uh, through January spring, um, mm-hmm. the reporting that you offer is it automated for the clients? Do they get it? Does the rep get it? How does the reporting work? Yes, it is automated and it needs to be because it needs to be always on, always available. And I always coach salespeople to be up front and make sure that your advertiser has access to that always on um, reporting link, just like you do. And put time on your calendar every week to open those reports and look at the performance for your advertiser, because it's a perfect way mid campaign to reach out and touch them and let them know what a good job you're doing. Give them a specific metric, call their attention to something that you're seeing that's working well. And on the opposite side, if something isn't working well, it gives you a chance to proactively reach out and suggest modifications before the advertiser calls you. But most certainly, make this stuff available to your business owners so that they can be educated on how well you're doing on their behalf. I think that is great advice. I have. I, I think you should put um, check reporting on your calendar. I also think you should mm-hmm. put call your mom on your calendar, check on your college kid. Oh, wait, I'm giving away my whole day. You, you need <laughs> all those type of, uh, of reminders. So now, folks, um, you know, Charity is their agency out of Denver is January spring. Uh, Charity, find, tell them, folks, how they can find you on Facebook and on the web and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, JanuarySpring.com. And we are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Follow us at January Spring Agency. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, Ryan. Yeah, I always enjoy this advertising uh, tech tip. And I'm always so impressed. Your knowledge is so vast and deep, Charity. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. All right, friends, it's that time here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast, my favorite part of the show. Joined today by Charles Warner, publisher, editor-in-chief, Innovation and Tech Today uh, magazine to answer your uh, listener questions. And uh, Charles, we met through the Niche Media uh, conference, and you're in Denver, and uh, living life and loving it. All right, let's go through some listener questions, and um, love to get your input and uh, hear what you have to say about it. It's important to note that besides being the publisher, the editor-in-chief, you sell media as well. So I want everybody to know that as we go through these uh, questions. Charles and I are media sales warriors, too. All right, first question, all the way from uh, the West Coast, Samantha in Los Angeles. Uh, She asks, she had a meeting with a marketing manager of a big-time advertiser. They are adding new services to the mix. The meeting ended with the, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, thanks for coming by, but we already allocated our marketing budget. So Samantha's saying, obviously I didn't do something right. After I get that first meeting, you know, did I end it wrong? And after I get the first one, you know, what should the follow-up look like? And then she specifically asked, is there a good phrase, uh, you know, to end with? Charles, what's your thoughts? Then I'll give my thoughts on this one. Yeah, um, man, that's one of those things that happens a lot in this uh, this business. You think you've got everything rolling along. You have the meeting. uh, You know, you present all this stuff. And then they say, yeah, you know, uh, we're – 
Well, there's no room at the end. Um, <laughs> so I think that that part of that has to do with uh, with qualifying before the meeting. You know, asking some of those really good uh, uh, questions to find out what is the situation. Are they are they looking for something for this year? Is it for next year? You know, um, just just asking those qualifying questions. I think is really important going in there so that you kind of know. Um, what the situation is so you don't get that, um, you know, kind of that big dun-dun-dun-dun uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, I, I've noticed when I'm coaching my clients, a lot of times qualifying is not a part of the process. They're just trying to set a meeting. So I am mm-hmm. guess I'm hearing what you're saying, and that is qualification of the leads is uh, so important before you waste their time uh, and you waste uh, your time. But as far to her question as what's a good phrase to end with, I kind of like, you know, what do you think? Um, and if they say, which is very simple – but what I do when I'm closing out a call with somebody, throughout the call, I've identified their needs, and I do a thing called the match game close. So, Charles, you're my advertiser. So I would look and say, Charles, you know, in our, in our meeting together, you said you needed new leads. I told you about a product we had for leads. You said you need, had some research needs. Talked to you about our research product. You said you want to do some events. I talked to you about our events. Um, you said that you didn't like uh, print. And so I told you why you should fall in love with print. I think we're a perfect match. You know, don't you agree? And that's kind of, I do that match game close, you know, at the end. Is there anything that you kind of do? Is there like a, you know, do you dance? Do you sing? What do you do at the end of your, at the end of your sales calls? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I like to, as well, I like to, uh, you know, it's called like commitment and consistency. I like to go back kind of the same thing you're doing. And I, and I like to say, you know, um, you know, is, is this a good fit? Is this audience a good fit for you? And importantly is I'll qualify before where, where basically I'm going to say to them, um, you know, and, and after we get done talking, if it looks like we have a good fit, if it looks like, you know, the audience makes sense, would you be in a position to move forward? Nice. And, and, and that way, that way, you know, we both know when we get to the end of it, we're not there just to play patty cake. You know, we're looking to, uh, to try to strike some kind of deal so that, um, you know, so that it's like a win win. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what I try to do, but definitely get them going on the record, um, for that commitment and consistency, because once a person says, oh yeah, you know, I like that audience or those events make sense or something like that. Now they're, um, everything that follows is generally going to be in line with that because they've, they've, they've gone on the record and said, oh, I like like that idea or I like that event or whatever. So the more you can get them, um, you know, kind of lay the groundwork to where the end, when you ask for the business, um, they've already kind of gone on the record and they don't want to go back against that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. It makes sense. The other thing too, Samantha, watch out that the conversation you had was a conversation. Make sure that it wasn't just a presentation. Sales presentations are typically fairly boring and one-sided, meaning you are presenting to people. A conversation Mm -hmm. as Charles is suggesting is a is a little bit different. And also, Samantha, recognize you are in L.A. L.A. is a tough media market. Um, so don't give up. Uh, you, know, you know, keep smiling. Stay the course. I think you're going to be uh, you're going to be great. So. All right. How about uh, we got one here from Brian uh, from Charlotte. Uh, Brian asks, I'm always hearing about print radio, traditional media not being, quote, trackable. Um, any advice on that, uh, you know, for Brian Charles, from your perspective, cause you, I mean, you've got a magazine and then that's your, that is your bread and butter business. So when people say, well, print isn't trackable, what, what's your thought on that? What do you say to clients? You know, I, I feel like trackable is kind of a straw man argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, 
and I'll play the game with them. You know, I'll try to ask them more questions and follow along to see what exactly are they really going for. If right. they just want to quantify the results, you know, that's different than tracking each and everything from each and every. You know, that, that seems like a nightmare to try to figure it out. But you know, if if they want to run a, a code or something like that in an ad, um, I'm cool with it. I would encourage them to do it as long as it doesn't detract from the, the quality of the ad. Um, but ultimately, you know, I believe advertising is all part of an ecosystem. So if they see a print ad, maybe they go to their computer and then they Google and the print ad doesn't get the credit for it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or, or something like that. So I just think it's a, it's kind of a nebulous thing. You want to be careful of getting sucked in and letting the advertiser control the narrative when I think it's better to ask good questions, find out what the ultimate outcome they're trying to get is. Um, and then you can sort of build the presentation around that outcome with what you have to offer. Now nah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I also bring up competitors. So if, uh, yeah. if, if I was talking to an advertiser and they said, well, you know, print radio TV, they're not trackable. Um, I'll bring up their competitors and say, well, tell me about so-and-so because that that's the media that they've chosen. So they must've been thinking about this as well. Why would they choose it? I put it back on them. Why do you think they, your competitor chose it? And unless they say, well, my competitor's an idiot, <laughs> which, is <laughs> which is possible, I think that can potentially help. The other thing is, I'd like to say, why does everything have to be trackable? Because real marketers, true marketers, will say, my goal for quarter one is, let's just say, 100 bucks. At the end of quarter one, I need 100 bucks. No matter what you do that quarter, if you reach $100, then you should rinse and repeat what you did, because clearly you did something right. Now, I love trackability. I love to be able to gauge my return on investment. But I like to talk about real marketing. What most marketers today, what they are, are marketing day traders. Every day, they're trying to trade in some type of different marketing. Oh, I'm going to be online today. I'm going to be in this today. I'm going to do this today. It's just, As you said, Charles, it takes a ton of time, effort, and energy. It's a lot more stressful than figuring out a campaign, letting it ride. Most marketers in today's environment they don't let it ride. So they can't see the true results of marketing because every day they're sitting at their computer shaking with a cup of coffee. How many clicks did I get? How many clicks did I get? It's very stressful. Brian, Brian from Charlotte, uh, we wish you the uh, the best of luck, uh, you know, on that. You know, I'm going to do a T-shirt, I think. It's just going to say track this or something. <laughs> Dude, you know that that uh, that picture that you painted there ever so uh, ever so clearly of, you know, shaking. It kind of reminds me of like uh, people that invest in crypto, you know, like every day they're just on there. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? Listen, it's just exactly. let it ride, you know, stick with your plan and, and just go along with your business. That's what you know, that's what you got to do. It is so much like a stock portfolio marketing is you've got to have diverse mm -hmm. marketing assets. You need to be in front of people in multiple ways on multiple days. That's what Red Bull does. Michelin beats headphones, everybody, you know? So, Brian, don't give up, brother. Don't give up. Um, all right, last uh, question. Last, love these listener questions, by the way. Keep those coming in, Ryan. At, these are good questions. Yeah, yeah. Ryan at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. And remember, if we feature on the podcast, we'll send you an Ad Sales Nation uh, T-shirt. All right, Rebecca from up in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, Motor City. How much is too much? 16 question marks from Rebecca. How much is too much? My manager suggests I call my clients every single day. What are your thoughts? Wow, every day? Man, I don't know. You might want to play this podcast uh, for your manager. Charles, I'm not about that every day. I think that's the definition of a, being an annoying pest. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on in terms of, Reaching out to clients, how much is too much? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I I think it's kind of like dating. Um, I think that if you're if you're trying to date someone, you know, and you've uh, uh, you're calling them every day and stuff, you know, some would say, hey, you know, kudos, you're being very persistent and stuff like that. But what I've noticed is um, it you're being a pain in the neck. Yeah. And if you're if you're being the proverbial, you know, pain in the neck, um, I don't want to do business with you. And right. I probably don't want to date you. And mm-hmm. I've I've had vendors call me and they've they've called like four or five times in a row and I know it's their number from the area code or whatever. And finally I pick it up and I'm just like, I'm in a meeting, you know, you're about to blow this out by, by just being annoying. So I think there's a saying over here, Ryan, uh, there's a fine line between being um, professional and having really good follow-up and being a pain in the neck. And you don't want to cross that line. So um, I think that talk to them, you need to find out what is the most important thing to them right now and how you can work with them according to their schedule and according to their, because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will want you to call and bug them. Because, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about it. No, thanks for getting back with me. I'm glad that you you followed up. I don't want to miss out on this upcoming issue. Yeah, yeah, I've just been busy over here and that's great. But if you're calling so much, that you're a gigantic pain in their you know what, then they might they might just you out just because you're you're irritating them. I agree. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And so I like to follow a pattern of about every three business days is about business days is about all mm-hmm. that I can push somebody. So if you called on a Monday, you wouldn't call Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you might call on a Friday. And then don't call the next Monday. You know, if it mm-hmm. if if you'd called on a Monday and a Friday, then wait till like the next Wednesday or Thursday to reach out. But don't have a pattern of predictability either. But I like to be mm-hmm. politely persistent. And if I'm politely persistent, it shows that I'm a professional salesperson, um, but I'm not going to be annoying. I like to vary up my reach outs, my touch points. Might be phone, might be email, might be a text, mm-hmm. um, you know, those type of things. But I try to be politely persistent. I try not to follow up more than every three business days. And I feel like that pattern has worked uh, pretty well for me. Just keep in mind, some people don't like to be sold at all. People don't mind buying. But yeah. Some people don't like being sold. They're just jerks, and they feel like they can beat you up because you're a salesperson. And that's just who they are. That's how they yeah. get there. That's how they get their uh, their you know emotional high is that they like to pick on salespeople. So don't, uh, Rebecca, don't be discouraged. You know, don't be discouraged by that. What do you like? Um, you know, you're a busy guy, Charles Warner, busy guy out in Denver. Do you prefer? Salespeople email you, text you, call you, combination. What's your? You get sold a lot of stuff. What's your preference? Yeah, I'm a I'm a sales guy. I'm sold. Um, no, it, it goes back to what you just said. I think that um, I think that you know, give give me stuff. Uh, there's nothing wrong. We've, we've closed a lot of deals by texting people. Um, so if you have their cell phone number, you know, text them, Hey man, just want to let you know, uh, this prime spot opened up. I can move you forward, you know, uh, 15 pages, give me a call back. And, and the text messaging works fairly well. Um, uh, email's great. Cause you know, we're always going through our emails. Um, uh, LinkedIn, not, not a bad way as well. Yeah, if you connect yeah. there, shoot a message. Um, and then of course, you know, just, just calling and, and picking up the phone is good. What I would add, uh, Ryan is if you're going to call them back and you're going to, you know, be calling a couple times or whatever, don't call back. This is the worst 
callback ever. Hey, this is Chuck with Innovation at Tech Today. And I just wanted to check in with you and see how things were going. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that I has to that. sound like fingernails on the chalkboard check to in. that person on the other end. So here's here's my advice for uh, um, for all of these fine listeners out there. Bring some value. Yeah. Every time you call, every time you email, every time you shoot them a text message, bring some value. And what I like to do is I like to say, hey, listen, uh, um, I got some great news. Give me a call. Da, 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 da. You know, I've, I've got some great news. Hey, listen, something just uh, just shook up over here that I thought you'd have a genuine interest in. You know, give me a shout back. And then you do speak to them again. You better have some good news. Agreed. Don't, <laughs> don't cry wolf, you know, get them to call you back. That'll probably irritate them, too. But, you know, you can always something. Hey, we just uh, uh, just got the sales back, you know, from Barnes & Noble. That This issue's flying off the shelf. You know that so we can get you in the next one. Um, you know, hey, I, I just found out, you know, from my editor, we can put you right next to this story, which will really tie in with what you, you guys are doing. You know, give me a call back. If you always bring them some value and you're always thinking about them, but they're looking based upon um, good good note gathering you've gotten from from when you spoke to them in the past they're going to appreciate the call they're mm -hmm. going to appreciate e email because you're actually looking at them and you paid attention to what they're looking for and they see you as an ally and not just a vendor agreed yeah that's awesome really really good advice so samantha and brian and rebecca let's just you know charles and i are going to give you a big virtual hug here because let me tell you something these are problems that we encounter as media sales reps ourselves uh, each and every day. All right, Charles, thanks, man, for uh, answering these questions. I know people are going to want to check you out online and check out uh, the magazine online. Uh, give us a shout out. Tell us uh, what the website is. People can find you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on all the, you know, social media uh, channels at uh, InnoTech Today or Innovation and Tech Today. Um, and we cover the whole gamut of uh, innovation tech, all the cool stuff, drones, gaming, um, business innovations, apps, everything like that. And you can get our magazine at, you know, any Barnes and Noble or, uh, you know, some of those other places like that. Awesome. Well, you know that I'm a big fan of uh, you, your business uh, and of the of the magazine. So Charles Warner, publisher, editor in chief, innovation and tech today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure. Anytime you are one of my favorite and one of the best out there by far. Love what you're doing. And anytime I can help out, I'm always your guy. Thank you, sir. You are too kind. All right, friends, that is the podcast for the month of 2018 here at Ad Sales Nation. Love to come to your office and train your team. Look me up online, 360adsales.com. Feel free to also drop me an email, ryan at ryandorn.com. Ryan at ryandorn.com. Friends, we're always thrilled to have you as a part of the Ad Sales Nation podcast, and this wouldn't be possible without some great sponsors. So if you're looking to offer social media management or digital display or search or reputation management to your advertisers, January Spring, that is the company you can trust. January Spring does the heavy lifting and you reap the profit. You can find out more online at januaryspring.com. That's januaryspring.com. Open Look Business Solutions, new to the podcast, open-look.com. Open Look offers media companies just like you outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection and audits and telemarketing and sales and ad layout and almost anything that you need done. Open Look Business Solutions can help you out. So check them out online, open-look.com. Last but definitely not least, the official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and the Ad Sales Nation podcast 
is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales and billing and production and, and marketing all in one integrated package. Best in class CRM. It's the one that I use. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Friends, as we wrap up, don't forget more great podcasts right after this. How to sell more media faster is going to be on the next podcast, so check that out. If you got questions, send them my way, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Friends, don't forget, if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy, or we, which is possible, <laughs> or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, I'm Ryan Dorn. Thank you so much for checking us out. We'll see you next month right here on the Ad Sales Nation Radio Network.